Hello and welcome to Jiu-Jitsu 22. I'm Tish Durkin and this is your Monday Midterm Mini. Not a whole argument, but just a little riff on what's hitting me right now about the wonderful world of GOP tomfoolery. My headline for today is Al Gore and Hillary Clinton conceded defeat in their presidential races. Donald Trump did not concede defeat in his. I can't believe this actually has to be said, but here we are. Instead of disowning and disavowing the first president of the United States ever to thwart the peaceful transfer of power, the Republican Party has decided to try and pretend that, hey, it's not so bad because Democrats do the same thing. Shockingly, it's not just in the echo chambers of Trump world and QAnon that this idea is getting traction. On a recent Sunday, on Face the Nation, a national network news program, election-denying stalwart Carrie Lake, the GOP nominee for governor of Arizona, equated the behavior of Trump and his anti-democracy diehards with that of Gore and Clinton and their disappointed supporters. And Major Garrett, a national network news interviewer, didn't bat an eye. Let's listen. I think we have major problems in our election system, and, we, and it goes back to 2000. We had Democrats saying the 2000 election wasn't fair. They were complaining the 2004 election wasn't fair. 2016, Kamala Harris spoke out and said that the electronic voting machines were hacked in front of her eyes, and nobody called them election deniers. And now all of a sudden in 2020, Garrett, we don't have free speech anymore. We can't speak out against our own elections. All I'm asking for is the ability to speak out Poor Carrie, having to go on national television and spend an entire segment expounding her views without her right to free speech. She has the backing of a major political party and constant media attention, which is, let's face it, practically the same as being thrown in jail for expressing her beliefs. Despite the GOP gubernatorial nominee having been thus silenced, we did just manage to hear that parallel she drew between Democrats and Donald Trump on the subject of election denial. So let's see how well that comparison holds up. Here's Al Gore on December 13, 2000, after the Supreme Court issued its decision to stop the recount in Florida, thereby securing the election for George W. Bush. Good evening. Just moments ago, I spoke with George W. Bush and congratulated him on becoming the 43rd president of the United States. And I promised him that I wouldn't call him back this time. I offered to meet with him as soon as possible so that we can start to heal the divisions of the campaign and the contest through which we've just passed. I say to President-elect Bush that what remains of partisan rancor must now be put aside and may God bless his stewardship of this country. Now the U.S. Supreme Court has spoken. Let there be no doubt, while I strongly disagree with the court's decision, I accept it. I accept the finality of this outcome, which will be ratified next Monday in the Electoral College. And tonight, for the sake of our unity as a people and the strength of our democracy, I offer my concession. I also accept my responsibility, which I will discharge unconditionally, to honor the new president-elect and do everything possible to help him bring Americans together in fulfillment of the great vision that our Declaration of Independence defines and that our Constitution affirms and defends. As for Hillary Clinton, the morning after election night 2016, 
she appeared before a room full of supporters and a bank of cameras and said, Last night, I congratulated Donald Trump and offered to work with him on behalf of our country. I hope that he will be a successful president for all Americans. This is not the outcome we wanted or we worked so hard for. And I'm sorry that we did not win this election for the values we share and the vision we hold for our country. I know how disappointed you feel because I feel it too. And so do tens of millions of Americans who invested their hopes and dreams in this effort. This is painful and it will be for a long time. But I want you to remember this. Our campaign was never about one person or even one election. It was about the country we love and about building an America that's hopeful, inclusive, and big-hearted. We have seen that our nation is more deeply divided than we thought. But I still believe in America, and I always will. And if you do, then we must accept this result and then look to the future. Donald Trump is going to be our president. We owe him an open mind and the chance to lead. Our constitutional democracy enshrines the peaceful transfer of power. And we don't just respect that, we cherish it. Now let's go to Donald Trump late on election night 2020. This is a fraud on the American public. This is an embarrassment to our country. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election. We did win this election. So our goal now is to ensure the integrity for the good of this nation. This is a very big moment. This is a major fraud in our nation. We want the law to be used in a proper manner. So we'll be going to the U.S. Supreme Court. We want all voting to stop. We don't want them to find any ballots at 4 o'clock in the morning and add them to the list, okay? It's, it's a very sad, it's a very sad moment. To me, this is a very sad moment. And we will win this. And we, as far as I'm concerned, we already have won it. Those are not the same. Clearly not pleased with the contrast between the basic, clear cooperation of Democrats with the voting process and the basic, clear rejection by Republicans of that process, the GOP is now trying to broaden the scope of election denial so as to compare the crazed, violent, sustained denunciation of the 2020 results that their standard bearer orchestrated and continues to proclaim with any and every kind of election-related objection any major Democrat has raised in the past quarter century. In this attempt, the RNC has produced a video called 12 Minutes of Democrats Denying Election Results. This is not only a masterclass of mushed-up misdirection, but also a very good encapsulation of the message they're disseminating on this, and so I'm going to go through it in some detail. Into the ranks of election deniers, the RNC throws Democrats who oppose race-based voter suppression. Its favorite target on this is Stacey Abrams, who is now running for the second time against Brian Kemp for the governorship of Georgia and who does maintain that she really won the first time. And she does maintain it by way of calling the election stolen. 
In the aftermath of that race, Abrams' organization, Fair Fight Action, brought a lawsuit alleging that Georgia state laws concerning absentee ballots and voter rolls and so on put voters of color at a disadvantage. After a four-year legal battle, an Obama-appointed judge rejected those claims on the grounds that, in his view, the Georgia laws did not meet the standard of placing an undue burden on people trying to exercise their right to vote. When Donald Trump's lawyers brought his case, they were laughed out of court, and some are in the process of being drummed out of their profession for the outrageous lies they told. Those are not the same. You can see, though, why the GOP is so eager to make voting rights challenges and wacky Trumpy challenges seem the same. Because if they can get voting rights advocates lumped in with election deniers, they'll go a long way toward discrediting voting rights advocacy in general. This is really important for nice, normal people to flag. To point out that, for instance, in some states, wait times are inordinately long in Democratic areas— and therefore potentially disenfranchising of those Democrats who don't have hours to spend on casting a vote, is not to spout a wild and dangerous conspiracy theory. It is to state a pretty simple fact, which can be pretty simply proven or disproven by evidence. And although it's the kind of objection that is almost always raised on behalf of Democratic voters of color, there's no reason it couldn't theoretically be raised on behalf of Republican voters of any description if they're having to wait all day online or whatever. By contrast, the election deniers of 2020 have been citing non-existent traces of bamboo as evidence of cheating by the Chinese, depicting a standard-issue official ballot container as a suitcase stuffed with fraudulent votes, distorting the fact that it takes longer to tally the votes of counties with lots of people than to count the votes of counties without lots of people into a clue that there's something fishy going on. Those are not the same. Another part of the RNC video shows Democrats questioning the presidential results in Ohio in 2004, and doing so on the basis of doubts about the voting machines, just the way Republicans had doubts about the voting machines in 2020. Get it? But the Democrats' questions stemmed from glitches and mishaps that have been widely acknowledged in real time, and that reflected more general concerns about the unreliability of eminently hackable electronic-only voting machines. And in at least one snippet, Democratic Congressman Gerald Nadler is pointing out that this could be a problem for either side. As of 2020, almost all states had systems with paper ballots. In 2020, the GOP problem with the voting machines was that two competing companies, Dominion and Smartmatic, were actually working together to flip votes from Trump to Biden the way they used to flip votes for Hugo Chavez, somehow using a server in Germany. Those are not the same. Now, the video does depict prominent Democrats referring to the 2000 election as having been stolen from Gore, language that, in hindsight, is not ideal. There is former Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe, among others, stating with confidence that if the Supreme Court hadn't stopped the recount, Gore would have won the state of Florida. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. The world will never know. But it is certainly true that Democrats had had to concede an election of a candidate who won the popular vote by half a million and who lost Florida, if he lost Florida, by a grand total of 537 votes, and who, no matter what any of his supporters were doing, was not trying to take the country hostage until he got the top job. Donald Trump lost to Joe Biden by 7 million popular votes, 
and 74 votes in the Electoral College. And two years later, Trump and large swaths of his party believe he should be reinstated and are agitating for him to be reinstated. Those are not the same. As the video shows, Hillary Clinton has not been shy in her retirement about labeling Trump an illegitimate president. If this makes her seem less gracious than Gore, God knows she has her reasons. George W. Bush, for example, did not spend the 2000 campaign taunting Gore with chance of a lock him up, nor did he go around pretending that he would have won the popular vote as well as the Electoral College if only the Gore campaign hadn't shipped in millions of illegal aliens to vote for him, as Trump weirdly accused Clinton of doing. There's also that pesky matter of the Russians. U.S. intelligence agencies did conclude that Russia had meddled on behalf of Trump, although they did not submit that this had actually caused Trump's victory. In the unimaginable event that upon taking office, Trump had greeted this information with an attitude of, I am the legitimately elected president, and as such, I want to do everything possible to prevent any future interference by Russia or anyone else, he would have gone a long way to cementing his legitimacy. Of course, he didn't do that. Instead, whether or not he actually was some kind of Russian agent, he treated this and many other issues exactly as if he were. Now, one could argue that even so, it is unbecoming of Hillary Clinton to make such strong remarks. Whether this makes her a brave woman warrior or a bitter old battle axe depends on who's judging her now. But whatever the propriety of the attacks Clinton made on Trump after 2016, she made them as a private citizen. When Trump continued to attack her, he did so as the commander-in-chief. Those are not the same. So sure, when the real Republican presidency of George W. Bush coincided with the fictional Democratic one of Josiah Bartlett on the West Wing, a good many Gore supporters did go around in t-shirts saying, Martin Sheen is my president. Hillary Clinton supporters did refer to Trump not as the president, but as 45, among other less polite terms. Donald Trump's supporters stormed our nation's capital in an open attempt to reinstall him against the will of the American people and are walking, talking, and working to elect candidates as if they have every intention of doing so again. Those are not the same. And shame on anyone who promotes or sits still while others promote the idea that they are. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll check out more of Jiu-Jitsu 22. Midterm minis drop on Monday, full episodes on Thursday mornings.